You are listening to the most original talk radio station anywhere. We are LA Talk Radio at latalkradio.com. You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. You are now entering the Sapphire Planet. Sapphire Planet. The evolutionary history of life on the planet Earth traces the processes by which living and fossil organisms have evolved since life on the planet first originated until the present day. Earth formed about 4.5 billion years ago and life appeared on its surface within one billion years. The similarities between all present-day organisms indicate the presence of a common ancestor from which all known species have diverged through the process of evolution. Microbial mats of coexisting bacteria and archaea were the dominant form of life in the early Archaean, and many of the major steps in early evolution are thought to have taken place within them. The evolution of oxygenetic microbial mats and photosynthesis around 3.5 billion years ago eventually led to the oxygenation of the atmosphere beginning around 2.4 billion years ago. The earliest evidence of eukaryotes eukaryotes which happen to be cells with nucleuses and complex organelles inside of them dates back from 1.85 billion years ago and while they may have been present earlier their diversification accelerated when they started using oxygen in their metabolism later 
around 1.7 billion years ago, multicellular organisms appear with differentiated cells performing specialized functions. Bilateria animals with front and backs appeared a mere 555 million years ago. The earliest land plants date back to around 450 million years ago, although evidence suggests that algal scum formed on the land as early as 1.2 billion years ago. Land plants were so successful that they were thought to have contributed to the late Devonian extinction event. Invertebrate animals appear during the Edercarian period, while vertebrates originated about 525 million years ago during the Cambrian explosion. During the Permian period, synapsids, including the ancestors of mammals, dominated the land but most of this group became extinct in the Permian-Triassic extinction event of 252 million years ago. During the recovery from this catastrophe, archosaurs became the most abundant land vertebrates. One archosaur group, the dinosaurs, dominated the Jurassic and Cretaceous periods. After the Cretaceous Paleogene extinction event 66 million years ago killed off the dinosaurs, mammals increased rapidly in size and diversity. Such mass extinctions may have accelerated evolution by providing opportunities for new groups of organisms to diversify. Fossil evidence indicates that flowering plants appeared and rapidly diversified in the early Cretaceous, which is 130 to 90 million years ago, probably helped by coevolution with pollinating insects. Flowering plants and marine phytoplankton are still the dominant producers of organic matter. Social insects appeared around the same time as flowering plants, although they occupy only small parts of the insect family tree. They now form over half the total mass of insects. Humans evolved from a lineage of upright rocking apes whose earliest fossils date from over six million years ago, although earlier members of this lineage had chimpanzee-sized brains. There are signs of steady increase in brain size for humans after about three million years. The oldest meteorite fragments found on planet Earth are about 4.54 billion years old. This coupled primarily with the dating of ancient lead deposits, has put the estimated age 
at around that same 4.5 billion years time. The moon has the same composition as the Earth's crust, but does not contain an iron-rich core like the Earth's. Many scientists think that about 40 million years later, a body the size of Mars struck the Earth, throwing into orbit crust material that formed the moon. A different hypothesis is that the Earth and moon started to coalesce at the same time, but the Earth, having much stronger gravity than the early moon, attracted almost all the iron particles in the area. Until 2001, the oldest rocks found on the Earth were about 3.8 billion years old, leading scientists to believe that for decades the Earth's surface had been molten until then. Accordingly, they named this part of Earth's history the Hayden Eon, whose name means hellish. However, analysis of zircons formed 4.4 billion years ago indicate that Earth's crust solidified about a hundred million years after the planet's formation and that the planet quickly acquired oceans and an atmosphere which may have been capable of supporting life. Evidence from the moon indicates that from 4 billion to 3.8 billion years ago, it suffered a late heavy bombardment by debris that was left over from the formation of the solar system. And the Earth should have experienced an even heavier bombardment due to its stronger gravity. While there is no direct evidence of conditions on Earth 4 billion years ago, there is no reason to think that the Earth was not also affected by this late heavy bombardment. This event may have well stripped away any previous atmosphere and oceans. In this case, gases and water from comet impacts may have contributed to the replacements, although volcanic outgassing on Earth would have supplied at least half the atmosphere and water. However, if subsurface microbial life had evolved by this point, it would have survived the bombardment. The earliest identified organisms were minute and relatively featureless and their fossils look like small rods, which are very difficult to tell apart from structures that arise through abiotic physical processes. The oldest undisputed evidence of life on Earth, interpreted as fossilized bacteria, dates back to three billion years ago. However, 
many of these analyses were scrutinized and non-biological processes were found that could produce all of the signatures of life that have been reported. While this does not prove that the structures found had a non-biological origin, they cannot be taken as clear evidence for the presence of life. Geochemical signatures from rocks departed, deposited 3.4 billion years ago have been interpreted as evidence for life, although these statements have not been thoroughly examined by critics, skeptics, or scientists. Biologists reason that all living organisms on Earth must share a single, last universal ancestor because it would be virtually impossible that two or more separate lineages could have independently developed the many complex biochemical mechanisms common to all living organisms. As previously mentioned, the earliest organisms for which fossil evidence is available are bacteria, cells far too complex to have risen directly from non-living material. The lack of fossil or geochemical evidence for earlier organisms has left plenty of scope for hypotheses, which fall into two main groups. Group number one that life arose spontaneously on Earth. Or, group number two, that it was seeded from elsewhere in the universe. We'll start with the latter. The idea that life on Earth was seeded from elsewhere in the universe dates back at least to the Greek philosopher Anaximander in the 6th century BC. In the 20th century it was proposed by physical chemist Savante Arrhenius, by astronomer Fred Hall and Chandra Wittgenstein and molecular biologist Francis Crick and chemist Leslie Orgel. There are three main versions of the seeded from elsewhere hypothesis from elsewhere in our solar system via fragments knocked into space by a larger meteor impact in which case the most credible sources are Mars and Venus second by alien visit visitors possibly as a result of accidental contamination by microorganisms that they might have brought with them and third from far outside the solar system but by natural means. Experiments suggest that some microorganisms can survive the shock of being catapulted into space and some can survive exposure to radiation for several days but there is no proof as of yet that they can survive in space for much longer periods. Scientists are divided over the likelihood of life arising independently on Mars or on other planets 
in our galaxy. The other theory is life on Earth emerged on Earth. Life on Earth is based on carbon and water. Carbon provides stable frameworks for complex chemicals and can be easily extracted from the environment, especially from carbon dioxide. The only other element with similar chemical pro properties is silicon, which forms much less stable structure, and because most of its compounds are solids, would be more difficult for organisms to extract. Water is an excellent solvent and has two other useful properties. One, the fact that ice floats enables aquatic organisms to survive beneath it in winter. It is the only liquid whose solid floats. And two, its molecules have electrically negative and positive ends which enables it to form a wider range of compounds than what other solvents could possibly do. Other good solvents such as ammonia are liquid only at such low temperatures that chemical reactions may be too slow to sustain life and lack water's other advantages. Organisms based on alternative biochemistry may, however, be possible on other planets. Research on how life might have emerged unaided from non-limiting non-living chemicals focuses on three possible starting points. Self-replication, an organism's ability to produce offspring that are very similar to itself. Two, metabolism, its ability to feed and repair itself. And three, external cell membranes which allow food to enter and waste products to leave but exclude unwanted substances. Research on abiogenesis still has a long way to go since theoretical and empirical approaches are only beginning to make contact with one another. Even the simplest members of the three modern domains of life use DNA to record their recipes, for lack of a better word, and a complex ar array of RNA and protein molecules to read these instructions and use them for growth, maintenance, and self-replication. This system is far too complex to have emerged directly from non-living material. 
the study that some RNA molecules can catalyze both their own replication and the construction of proteins led to the hypothesis of earlier life forms based entirely on RNA. These ribosomes could have formed an RNA world in which there were individuals but no species as mutations and horizontal gene transfers would have meant that the offspring in each generation were quite likely to have different genomes from those of that of their parents started with. RNA would later have been replaced by DNA which is more stable and therefore can build longer genomes expanding the range of capabilities a single organism can have. Ribosomes, ribozymes remain the main component of ribosomes, modern cells, protein factories. Although short self-replicating RNA molecules have been artificially produced in laboratories, doubts have been raised about where natural non-biological synthesis of RNA is possible. The earliest ribozymes may have been formed of simpler nucleic acids such as PNA, TNA, or GNA which would have been replaced later by RNA. In 2003 it was proposed that porous metal sulfide precipitates would assist RNA synthesis at about 100 degrees Celsius or 212 degrees Fahrenheit and ocean bottom pressures near hydrothermal vents. Under this hypothesis, lipid membranes would be the last major cell component to appear and, until then, the protocells would be confined to the pores. In a series of experiments starting in 1997 showed that early stages in the formation of proteins from inorganic materials including carbon monoxide and hydrogen sulfide could be achieved by using iron sulfide and nickel sulfide as catalysts most of the steps require temperatures of about 100 Celsius or 212 degrees Fahrenheit and modest pressure, although one stage required 250 degrees Celsius or 482 degrees Fahrenheit and pressure equivalent to that found under 7 kilometers or 4.3 miles of rock. Hence it was suggested that self-sustaining synthesis of proteins could have occurred near hydrothermal vents. It has been suggested that double-walled bubbles of lipids, like those that form the external membranes of cells, may have an essential, been an essential first step Experiments that simulated the conditions of the early Earth 
have reported the formation of lipids, and these can spontaneously form liposomes, double-walled bubbles, and then reproduce themselves. Although they are not intrinsically information carriers, as nucleic acids are, they would be subject to natural selection for longevity and reproduction. Nucleic acids such as RNA might then have formed more easily within the liposomes than they would have outside. Microbial mats are multi-layered, multi-species colonies of bacteria and other organisms that are generally only a few millimeters thick, but still contain a wide range of chemical environments, each of which favors a different set of microorganisms. To some extent, each mat forms its own food chain as the byproducts of each group of microorganisms generally serve as food for adjacent groups. Stromatolites are stubby pillars built as microbes and mats slowly migrate upwards to avoid being smothered by sediments deposited on them by water. There has been vigorous debate about the validity of alleged fossils from before three billion years ago, with critics arguing that the so-called stromatolites could have been formed by non-biological processes. In 2006, another find of stromatolites was reported from the same part as Australia as the previous ones in rocks dated to 3.5 billion years ago. In modern underwater mats, the top layers often consist of photosynthesizing cyanobacteria, which create an oxygen-rich environment, while the bottom layer is oxygen-free and dominated by hydrogen sulfide emitted by the organisms living there. It is estimated that the appearance of oxygen photosynthesis by bacteria in mats increase biological productivity by a factor of between 100 and 1,000. The reducing agent used by oxygenetic photosynthesis is water, which is much more plentiful than the geologically produced reducing agents required by the earlier non-oxygenic photosynthesis. From this point on, Life itself produced significantly more of the resources it needed than did geochemical processes. Oxygen is toxic to organisms that are not adapted to it, but greatly increases the metabolic efficiency of oxygen-adapted organisms. Oxygen became a significant component of Earth's atmosphere about 2.4 billion years ago. Although eukaryotes may have been present much earlier. The oxygenation of the atmosphere was a prerequisite 
for the evolution of the most complex eukaryotic cells from which all multicellular organisms are built. The boundary between oxygen-rich and oxygen-free layers in microbial mats would have moved upwards when the photosynthesis shut down overnight and then downwards as it resumed on the next day. This would have created selection pressure for organisms in this intermediate zone to acquire the ability to tolerate and then to use oxygen, possibly via endosymbiosis, where one organism lives inside the other and both of them benefit from their association, much like coral. Cyanobacteria have the most comp complete biochemical toolkits of all the mat-forming organisms. Hence, they are the most self-sufficient of the mat organisms and were well adapted to strike out on their own, both as floating mats and this, the first of the phytoplankton, providing the basis of most marine food chains. Eukaryotes may have been present long before the oxygenization of at the atmosphere, but many eukaryotes require oxygen, which their mitochondria use to fuel the production of ATP, the internal energy supply of all known cells. In the 1970s, it was proposed and, after much debate, widely accepted that eukaryotes emerged as a result of a sequence of endosymbiosis between prokaryotes. For example, a predatory microorganism invaded a large prokaryote, probably an archaean, but the attack was neutralized and the attacker took up residence and involved into the first of the mitochondria. One of these chimeras later tried to swallow a photosynthesizing cyanobacterium, but the victim survived inside the attacker and a new combination became the ancestors of plants and so on. After each endosymbosis began, the partners would have eliminated unproductive duplication of genetic function by rearranging their genomes, a process which sometimes involved transfer of genes between them. Another hypothesis proposes that mitochondria were originally sulfur or hydrogen metabolizing endosymbionts and became oxygen consumers later. On the other hand, Mitochondria might have been part of the eukaryote's original equipment. There is also debate about when eukaryotes first appeared. The presence of sterines in Australian shale may indicate that eukaryotes were present 2.7 billion years ago. However, in an analysis in 2008, concluded that these chemicals infiltrated the rocks less than 2.2 billion years ago.
and proved nothing about the origins of eukaryotes. Fossils of the algae Gripania have been reported in 1.8 billion year old rocks and indicates that eukaryotes with organelles have already evolved. A diverse collection of fossil algae were found in rocks between 1.5 and 1.4 billion years ago. The earliest known fossils of fungi date from 1.4 billion years ago. Plastids are thought to have originated from endosymbiotic cyanobacteria. The symbiosis evolved around 1500 million years ago and enabled eukaryotes to carry out oxygenated photosynthesis. Three evolutionary lineages have since emerged in which the plastids are namely differentially chloroplasts in green algae and plants, rhodoplasts in red algae, and cyanels in the glufites. Evolution of Sexual Reproduction The defining characteristics of sexual reproduction eukaryotes are meiosis and fertilization. There is much genetic recombination in this kind of reproduction, in which offspring receive 50% of their genes from each parent, in contrast with the asexual reproduction, in which there is no recombination. Bacteria also exchange DNA by bacterial conjugation and benefits of which include resistance to antibiotics and other toxins and the ability to utilize new metabolites. However, conjugation is not a means of reproduction and is not limited to members of the same species. There are cases where bacteria transfers DNA to plants and animals. Then came the emergence of animals. Animals are multicellular eukaryotes and are distinguished from plants, algae, and fungi by lacking cell walls. All animals are modal, if only at certain stages of life. All animals, except sponges, have bodies differentiated into separate tissues, including muscles, which move parts of the animals by contracting, and nerve tissues, which transmit and process signals. The earliest widely accepted animal fossils are rather modern-looking cynodians, this group that includes jellyfish, sea anemones, and hydras possibly from around 580 million years ago. The Edicara biota, which flourished for the last 40 million years before the start of the Cambrian, were the first animals more than a very few centimeters long. Many were flat and had a quilted appearance, and seemed so strange that there was a proposal to class them 
as a separate kingdom, Mendoza. Others, however, have been interpreted as early as mollusks, ectoderms, and arthropods. There is still debate about classification of these specimens, especially because of the diagnostic features which allow taxonomists to classify more recent organisms, much as similarities to living organisms are generally absent in the Echidarians. The small shelly fauna are a very mixed collection of fossils found between the late Echidian and Mid-Cabrian periods. The earliest Claudina shows sign of successful defense against predation and may indicate the start of an evolutionary arms race. Some tiny early Cambrian shells almost certainly belong to mollusks, while the owners of some armor plates were eventually identified when more complete specimens were found in Cambrian shale deposits that preserved soft-bodied animals. In the 1970s, there was already a debate about whether the emergence of the modern phyla was explosive or gradual, but hidden by the shortage of Precambrian animal fossils. A reanalysis of fossils from the Burgess Shale increased interest in the issue when it was revealed animals such as Obebenia which did not fit into any known phylum. At the time, these were interpreted as evidence that modern phyla had evolved very rapidly in the Cambrian explosion, and the Burgess Shale Weird Wonders showed that early Cambrian was a uniquely experimental period of animal evolution. Later, Discoveries of similar animals and the development of new theoretical approaches led to the conclusion that many of the weird wonders were evolutionary ants or cousins of modern groups. For example, the Obabania was a member of the Lobopods, a group which includes ancestors of the arthropods, and that it may have been closely related to modern pterygrades. Nevertheless, there is still much debate about whether the Cambrian explosion was really explosive and, if so, how and why it happened and why it appears unique in the history of animals. Most of the animals at the heart of the Cambrian explosion debate are protostomes, one of the two main groups of complex animals. One deuterostome group, the echinoderms, many of which have hard calcite shells, are fairly common for the early Cambrian small shelly fauna onwards. Other deuterosome groups are soft-bodied, and most of the significant Cambrian deuterosomes fossils come out of China. Adaptation to life on land is a major challenge 
all land organisms need to avoid drying out and all those above microscopic size have to resist gravity. Respiration and gas exchange systems have to change. Reproductive systems cannot depend on water to carry eggs and sperm towards each other. Although the earliest good evidence of land plants and animals dates back to the Ordovician period, which was 488 to 444 million years ago, and a number of microorganism lineages made it onto land much earlier. Modern land ecosystems only appear in the late Devonian, about 385 to 359 million years ago. Before the colonization of land, soil, a combination of mineral particles and decomposed organic matter, did not exist. Land surfaces would have either been bare rock or unstable sand produced by weathering. Water and any nutrients in it would have been drained away very quickly. Films of the cyanobacteria which are not plants, but use the same photosynthesis mechanisms, have been found in modern deserts, and only in areas that are unsuitable for vascular plants. This suggests that microbial mats may have been the first organisms to colonize dry land, possibly in the Precambrian. Mat-forming cyanobacteria could have gradually evolved resistance to desiccation as they spread from the sea to tidal zone and then from the tidal zone to the land. Lichens, which are a symbiotic combination of a fungus and one or more photosynthesizers, such as cyanobacteria, are also important colonizers of lifeless environments and their ability to break down rocks contributes to soil formation in situations where plants cannot survive. These earliest known fossils date back 423 million years ago in Sulranian. Soil formation would have been very slow until the appearance of burrowing animals, which mix the minerals and the organic components of soil and whose feces are a major source of the organic components. Burrowers have been found in the Ordovician sediments and are attributed to worms or anthropods. In the aquatic algae, almost all cells are capable of photosynthesis and nearly independent. Life on land required plants to become internally more complex and specialized. Photosynthesis was most efficient at the top. Roots were acquired in order to extract water from the ground. The parts in between became supports and transport systems for water and nutrients. Spores of land plants, possibly like liverworts, have been dated to about 476 million years ago. By the late Devonian period, 
370 million years ago. Trees, such as Archaeopetrus, were so abundant that they changed river systems, from the mostly braided to the mostly meandering, because their roots bound the soil firmly. In fact, they caused a late Devonian wood crisis because they removed more carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, reducing the greenhouse effect and thus causing an ice age in the Carboniferous period. In later ecosystems, the carbon dioxide locked up in wood is returned to the atmosphere by decomposition of dead wood. However, the earliest fossil evidence of fungi that can decompose wood also comes from the late Devonian period. And the increasing depths of the plant's roots led to more washing of nutrients into rivers and seas by rain. This caused algal blooms whose high consumption of oxygen caused anoxic events in deep water, increasing the extinction rate among deep water animals. Animals had to change their feeding and excretory systems. And most land animals developed internal fertilization of their eggs. The difference in refractive intrinsics between water and air required changes in animals' eyes. On the other hand, in some ways, movement and breathing became easier, and the better transmission of high-frequency sounds in air encouraged the development of hearing. Some trace fossils from the Cambrian boundary about 490 million years ago are interpreted as the tracks of large amphibious arthropods on coastal sand dunes. Other fossil traces from the late Ordovican as little over 445 million years ago represents land invertebrates and there is clear evidence of numerous arthropods on coasts and alluvial plains shortly before the Silurian-Devonian boundary around 450 million years ago. The Permian-Triassic extinction wiped out almost all land vertebrates as well as the great majority of other life. During the slow recovery from this catastrophe, estimated to have taken 30 million years, a previously obscure sauropusid group became the most abundant and diverse terrestrial vertebrates. A few fossils of archaeosurforms have been found in the late Permian rocks, but by the mid-Triassic, archaeosaurs were the dominant land vertebrates. Dinosaurs distinguished themselves from archaeosaurs in the late Triassic and became the dominant land vertebrates of the Jurassic and Cretaceous period 200 to 66 million years ago. However, at this time, these were all in temperate zones at middle latitudes and there is no evidence that the hotter, drier environments near the equator were dominated by sauropods and amphibians. 
your journey is now ending. You are now leaving the Sapphire Planet. Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet. Own a piece of the planet. Now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.